Thank you so much, choir. Thank you, Allison, for always being so great uh, with the music. Thank you, Greg, for doing such a great job with your ministry. And uh, we have a great team. I want to say last night we had 48 children here for Parents' Night Out. Uh, tons of parents who did date night or nap time or whatever. And uh, we collected a lot of food for the food pantry at Raw Raw. And so this place was just humming with uh, ministry being done uh, just yesterday. And so, so thankful for Caitlin. It was a Candyland adventure. The, the children were actually, like, they turned the whole fellowship hall into the board game Candyland. And so the kids were the, you know, and um, it was just amazing. We just have such amazing people doing such amazing things here. And I'm so grateful. Uh, if you have a Bible there in the pew, you can turn to John's Gospel, chapter 20, and, and, and go there to the end of the, the chapter. Um, so this is Superman. He's been worshiping with us this morning, and uh, he's, our, he's our guest of honor, I suppose. Um, I, love, I love superheroes. I love comic books. If you go in my office right now, there's like, there's like 200 comic books in the pastors right there with the Bible commentaries, you know, Spider-Man, all that stuff. And uh, I really enjoy superheroes, always have. Um, but there's one Superman I, I'm not that crazy about, which is Superman. So I hope I don't offend any Superman uh, fans uh, this morning, but I want to tell you why uh, Superman's not my favorite superhero. Spider-Man's my favorite, by the way. He is the coolest. Amos and I have endless discussions about all this. But um, so, so here's the thing about Superman. Superman has lots of superpowers, right? Uh, he can fly through the air, right? We all know this. He has a cape. Uh, um, he's super, like, tough. Like, bullets just, like, bounce off his skin, right? Like, nothing can, can hurt him. He shoots laser beams out of his eyeballs. He has freeze breath. That was a favorite of Amos's when he was four because uh, he would do it to me, and I would, you know, freeze in place, and that was really funny. Uh, he, does, he, he has freeze breath. Uh, he, has, he has, like, x-ray vision, right? Uh, he's super fast. He's super strong. All the things, I, I guess he can breathe in space because sometimes he does that. Um, so he has all these superpowers. But here's why I, I, I'm not that um, engaged by Superman. Unlike some of the other superheroes, Superman is just too impenetrable. Like he's, he's totally invulnerable. The only thing that makes him a, any have any weakness at all is this kryptonite thing, which by the way, they came out with Superman. It took them five years to, to invent kryptonite in the super, like for, for five years, he didn't even have that. Uh, uh, but, but anyway, he has no weaknesses. Like that's kind of boring. Like he's going to just automatically win every fight he ever wins without breaking a sweat because he's just too powerful. He's just too invulnerable to be interesting to me. Exactly, kryptonite. Amen, sister. So superheroes who, who hardly have any weaknesses at all are just not interesting to me. I don't really care to, to read their comic books or watch their movies. I've never sat through an entire Superman movie, not even 10 minutes of one. My five-year-old son loves the superheroes who never lose. He loves that they just never get knocked down, right? Um, but I wonder how long that will last because there's something about the story of the hero getting knocked down, of there really being some actual risk to the fight that makes 
superhero so so much more interesting. See, I think that not having any one to struggle with in your life is actually worse than not having uh, than, than, than the struggle itself. For that reason, I think maybe some, you know a Clark Kent might be a little more helpful to me sometimes than Superman. Because not having anyone to struggle with can be worse than the struggle itself. I mean, think about it, okay? Take, for example, like running a marathon race. That is a struggle. Why do you do that? Why do you do that to yourself? People want a struggle. They want a fight. They want a challenge. We do this to ourselves on purpose. Okay, People climb high mountains. They take hard jobs, whatever it is. Human beings enjoy a good struggle, a good challenge. But having no one to struggle with you. No one to endure the challenge with you. Well, that's a very different question indeed. When you're looking for hope in life, when you're looking for resurrection from the hard things you're going through, you might actually want a Clark Kent more than a Superman. Okay? You might actually want someone to come alongside you and struggle with you more than someone who can just blow in, save the day, fix everything without messing up his hairdo in the process. Okay? Think about it this way. Have you ever thought, like, yeah, it's easy for them to say that. It's easy for them to say that I should do this or I should do that when they don't really know what it's like to be me. They don't really know what I'm going through. Right? Or maybe you think about like these, uh, the fitness gurus, you know, with the perfectly chiseled bodies, and they want to, you know, help you fix you. And, and you're like, I, look, I don't, unlike you, I don't have two hours a day and like $1,000 a month for protein shakes. Like, you, you're not real, right? You're not real to me. So I'm not interested. We don't trust people who look or feel like life has been too easy for them. Like, they couldn't possibly know how it feels. Like, they don't know what it's like to struggle with the things that we have to struggle with. And if you think back to the Easter story from last Sunday, okay, you have these women running away from the empty tomb okay, to tell the good news that Jesus is, in fact, alive and resurrected. That, it's, that's, that is an impossible story for anyone to believe. Like, in, you know, for 2,000 years, there have been people who have refused to believe that story. There might be someone sitting here this, in this room this morning who's not so sure that, about that story. I'm sure many of you sitting here today know somebody who doesn't believe this story. It just seems so impossible. Okay? They can't believe that resurrection is possible. It's like a Superman story in a world full of Clark Kent's. So my question is, how do you believe the resurrection is possible? How does anybody believe the resurrection is possible? That's a really important question. Okay, It's really important at the 10,000 foot view level as we're trying to persuade the people around us that Jesus is alive. But it's also very important in your day-to-day life that you have no choice but to live Okay, as you struggle to overcome the odds, as you you know struggle to, to to navigate paying the bill the bills and raising your kids right and raising your grandkids right, and negotiating issues with your physical health and deal with drama in the family and, and the different ways that you know the talents of death are just clawing for your feet 
all the time. How do you believe that something as crazy, as, as awesome as resurrection, how do you believe that is possible? That it's not just a Superman story. So I want to share this story with you about someone who could not believe the resurrection was possible. All right, The whole thing to him was just a Superman story. He believed that Jesus was alive like he believed that bullets could bounce off of somebody's skin or someone could shoot laser beams out of their eyeballs. So here's the story. This is, you know, we often call this the Doubting Thomas story. I told Thomas this morning, I'm going to talk about him a lot today. So, all right, it says this. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Thanks be to God. Good word. Amen. If you were to imagine Jesus, okay, as this man who was all-powerful and invincible and impenetrable, if you were to imagine that Jesus walked around like Superman in Galilee, okay, super strong, super fast, nothing uh, ever knocking him down, well, you would be wrong. That's not how the Bible describes Jesus on earth. For three years, Thomas followed Jesus around. Everywhere he went, he saw the real Jesus. All right, He saw the human Jesus. The Jesus who the Bible says uh, felt anxiety, felt troubled, felt disturbed. The Jesus who the Bible says felt hungry, felt thirsty. The Jesus who the Bible says uh, felt sadness and heartbreak and grief in his life. Thomas saw the Jesus who wept when Lazarus died. Thomas saw the Jesus who, when his cousin John the Baptist was executed, he had to go away and just be by himself for a little while. Thomas saw the Jesus who was anxious before he was his arrest. He was so anxious that he was physically sweating out drops of blood. Thomas saw the Jesus who was beat up by the bad guys, Okay, who had nails penetrate his skin and his body, who had a spear thrust into the side of his dead body. That's the Jesus that Thomas knew and loved and followed. The only thing that will convince Thomas that Jesus really is alive again, that resurrection really is possible, is if he sees the wounds in his hands, his feet, and his side. Those pieces of his history, still with him, still with Jesus. Okay? Thomas isn't interested in seeing a superman. All right, Someone who has never struggled with anything. Someone who's never been afraid or anxious or hurt or betrayed or crucified. So the only way that Thomas will believe that resurrection is possible, 
that Jesus really did overcome sin and death and the grave is if Jesus shows him his wounds from the struggle of life and death. Thomas will only believe resurrection is possible if Jesus shows him his wounds from the struggle. Okay? Thomas will not trust a superman. Thomas will not trust someone who has never had holes poked in his skin, who has never felt the pain that he has felt in his own life. If he has no scars, if he has no wounds, if he never died, it isn't actually resurrection, is it? Okay? It's not bouncing back from the struggle. It's not overcoming the grave. This man who claims to be the risen Jesus, he doesn't have any scratch marks. Okay? There's no way it's a resurrected life. It's just a, it's just a Superman myth. So I want to tell you what a resurrected life looks like, my friends. Okay? This is what a resurrected life looks like. Okay? A resurrected life is a life that can show its wounds and offer peace to wounded people. A resurrected life is a life that can show its wounds and offer peace to wounded people. Okay? Jesus proves once and for all. He settles the argument in case it was going on in your mind. Okay? Jesus proves that a resurrected life is a life that is at peace with its own wounds. Even His resurrected body has some holes in it, doesn't it? See, I think that everybody wants to live a resurrected life. You see all the things that are happening to the people around you. You see all the ways that sin and death have a way of dragging people back into graves like zombies. Okay, You see addiction and debt and divorce and mental illness, all these things dragging people down. That might be a part of your story. That might even be something that you're you know, kind of going through right now. And Jesus proves once and for all that a resurrected life is not totally 100% free from having some painful holes in your skin. Okay? A resurrected life might walk with a little bit of a limp. A resurrected life is not a perfect life. It is not a perfect life. Even the risen Lord Jesus Christ had some open wounds in His body. And if it's true for Jesus Christ and the risen Jesus Christ, it is true for the risen Skylar Daniel, it's the, true for the risen you as well. And that changes so much about the nature and the trajectory of the Christian life, the nature and the trajectory of spiritual formation and discipleship in the way of Jesus. A resurrected life is a life that can show its wounds and offer peace to wounded people. It's not a life that has no problems. It's not a life that has no pain. It's not a life that has everything already put together. Okay? And that's really important when you think about doing life together. Okay? Creating beloved community. This church, mainly Memorial Baptist, this is, for starters, not um, this great production that we put on every Sunday morning, this event that you attend, right, and you know, uh, get a good show. That's not what mainly Memorial is. This is a community of people, human beings, 
And it's not just any religious community. It's not just any spiritual community. Okay? First and foremost, this is not a, a, a community of holy people, people who have kind of figured it all out, people who have put everything behind them already that they need to put behind them. First and foremost, this is not like a, a on fire for the Lord community where we're just all you know, on fire for Jesus all day, every day for the rest of our lives. I mean, that's all good, but that's not what we are first and foremost. First and foremost, what we are building here in this community, what we have been building here for a very, very, very long time is beloved community. A safe place where you can be at peace with your own wounds, where you can show your wounds to one another and be loved for exactly who you are. Okay? There's no masks that have to be worn. There's no parading that has to be done. There's no extra robes that you have to put on. You are beloved, and that means you are safe to show your open wounds, the things that make you feel afraid or insecure or embarrassed or humiliated or hurt right now, today. You are safe, and the people around you are beloved. So they're safe, too, to show their wounds, their scars, to walk with their limp. And we can offer the Lord's peace to one another in this resurrected life we are living. In the moments we feel scared or hurt or anxious or worried, whatever we're going through, a resurrected life is a life that can show its wounds and offer peace to wounded people. The resurrected Jesus, in no way, shape, or form, tells Thomas, look Thomas, look, look how everything you're working on right now is, is, is just easy for me now that I'm resurrected. Look, Thomas, look how I don't have to worry about what you're worrying about because I'm resurrected. Look, Thomas, uh, look how I have all this buttoned up and figured out because I'm resurrected now. Why don't you get resurrected too? This is not resurrected life, my friends. That is not a resurrected life. I want to teach you a Greek word, okay? Did you know that the, the word in the Bible for believe, right? Uh, anytime you see the word believe in your New Testament, the original Greek word underneath it is this word pisteo, all right? Uh, it sounds like pistachio, all right? Pisteo is the word you, you translate as believe. Well, it can just as easily be translated as the word trust, all right? Uh, can, that's just as an accurate of a translation. Anytime you see that word believe in your New Testament, that the, the, the Greek word pistachio or pisteo uh, means trust. So let me read for you this. You can pull it up here. If we are to translate this text as trust instead of believe. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not trust. I can't trust this guy. Then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and trust. Trust me. Look where I have these wounds. Jesus knew that Thomas couldn't really trust him unless Jesus showed him his wounds. And it's true for you too. You're not going to truly uh, and deeply trust anyone until you see some of their open wounds. 
And the fact that God came down and struggled with us and died with us, that helps all of us trust the goodness of God, doesn't it? The authentic love of God. And guess what? No one is really going to trust you until you roll up your sleeves and show them that you're a real human being too. That you're not all that different than them. That you hurt and struggle and fear and worry and do knuckle-headed things just like they do. A resurrected life is a life that can show its wounds and offer peace to wounded people. And it takes more courage and more strength to show your wounds than to show off your strengths, doesn't it? Okay, It's not rocket science that the real power of ch to change the world it doesn't lie in how wonderful you are, how smart you are, how sinless you are, you think you are. All right, The real power to build trust and to help people believe and influence your kids and, and your grandkids and influence your neighbors and influence your coworkers and influence your students and influence your athletes. It's not in having everything put together. Actually, it's doing exactly what the resurrected Jesus did. You have to show them your open wounds sometimes and offer them the Lord's peace. God's good news for you today is that the resurrected Jesus Christ still had His own wounds. Okay? And so the pressure is off. A resurrected life is a life that is healed by God and shines brightly into the people around it. It is not a painless and perfect life. A resurrected life is a life that is at peace with its own wounds. It's a life that can find peace with a difficult family history, with one's own struggles uh, with addiction or, or whatever it is, with, with one's own ongoing health issues or mental health issues. A resurrected life is a life that can admit with people that uh, you trust the ways you struggle with you know, worrying about this or feeling anxious about that or feeling insecure about this. this the, the ways you struggle with feeling you know, overwhelmed or stressed out, this is the resurrected life that Jesus is modeling for you. The pressure is off to create some kind of mask that you have to put on, my friends. Because the honest-to-God truth is that, that when you put on a mask, when you start trying to deceive the people around you, guess what? Everyone can smell the rat. They may not say anything. You may think you have them convinced and maybe even yourself convinced. My friends, Jesus is giving you the permission to be at peace in your own struggle. Okay? The resurrected life says, I am at peace with sharing where I stand in the road today, even though it's not the destination. I'm not really where I want to ultimately be, but I am at peace with where God has me today. Wouldn't it be great to surround yourself with people who lived that kind of resurrected life. Like, wouldn't it be great to, to raise your kids around those kinds of people? Okay? Grown-ups that can show their own wounds and offer peace to wounded people. Wouldn't it be great to study the Bible with those kinds of resurrected people? Wouldn't it be great to worship and serve 
our community with those kinds of resurrected people? Wouldn't it be great to have those kinds of marriages and those kinds of families, not where everyone feels like they have to look like Superman or they have to perform like Superman, but instead they try to look like the resurrected Jesus that you see in the Bible that can show their wounds and offer peace to wounded people. So there's so much to pull from this, 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 uh, this icon, this image of Jesus here in John chapter 20. I hope that the Spirit is putting a lot of things together for you today in your own spiritual journey. But I want to offer one thing for you to do this week to kind of roll with this uh, story of, of doubting Thomas. All right, Here's one life application for you this week. So you can pull this up on the screen. Uh, practice saying, me too. Those two words are just the most powerful two words in the human language, I think. All right, so this week when a, when a student or a spouse or a kid or a coworker shares your heart with you about how angry they are, how nervous or worried they are, whatever it is they're struggling with, instead of jumping in to offer the answer, instead of jumping in to fix, instead of jumping in to be Superman, the resurrected person that has everything all buttoned up and figured out, Stop. Okay, just stop. Breathe in the Holy Spirit for a moment. And then say, you know what, me too. Find some kind of common ground. Something that, that you can kind of resonate with in that struggle. And be a Clark Kent to them. Connect with their pain and their wounds and their worries and their feels. Roll up your sleeves. Show a scar or two. The Bible says that when you do, that's when they can finally and fully trust you. And you have the opportunity to shine brightly into their life as a resurrected person in the way of Jesus. Okay? So next week, uh, we're going to uh, talk more about this resurrected life that we're living. And uh, we're going to, to see, uh, we're going to learn from uh, the Gospel of Luke really how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay, It's just such a critical part of this resurrected life that we live, that we hear from God on the journey. And so I hope you can uh, continue in that with us. This morning, I want to invite you, if, uh, if you have never confessed that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the Teacher, the Savior of your life, to make that confession of faith today. And if you are not actively a member of a congregation, I want to invite you right now, today as we stand and sing this song, to join us uh, and to lock arms with this beloved community right here on the corner of Preston and South Main. Won't we all stand and uh, sing this hymn together?